Good morning. Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel chapter 18. These first two verses in 1 Samuel uh, that I'm going to read are in your handout, uh, but uh, we're going to stay a lot in 1 Samuel at the beginning. So uh, I didn't put all those verses in your handout, but uh, you've got your Bible, I hope, and you can follow along in your, in your scriptures. Scriptures uh, in the scriptures. First uh, Samuel chapter eighteen, beginning with verse one. Now, when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as his own soul. Second Samuel chapter one, verse twenty-six. I am distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful surpassing the love of a woman. In the Greek translation of the Old Testament and in the New Testament, the word for sexual love is never used. But over and over, when the Bible speaks of David and Jonathan, the word agape and the words for love between friends are used over and over. They had the original Bromance. Uh, bromance is a very new word. Very new word. Uh, 2004 uh, is when it was uh, first recorded as being used. Even though my spell check said I was wrong every time I typed it in to this sermon, uh, Webster says that you can use the word in Scrabble and defines the word bromance as a close, non-sexual friendship between men. Just before I got up here, Matt, Dana looked at me and she pointed it out on the little handout. She says, bromance, the love between Matt and Chad. <laughs> Matt and I, we have, we have this bromance going on too. I, I love Matt. He loves me. We love being together. And a lot of the reasons why we love being together is the same reasons you'll see why Jonathan and, and David love being together, and in some of the examples that we're going to see in today's lesson. Jonathan and David, they shared so much in common. The Bible records a, a harmonious friendship between David and Jonathan. They were loyal to Saul. They were loyal to each other. They were brave. First Samuel chapter 14, Jonathan, with God's help, in verse 6, he takes on a, a group of Philistines with just his shield bearer. Then, of course, David took on Goliath in chapter 17 with, with just a sling. And, and David gives God all the credit for this. David and Saul, uh, uh, David and, and, and Jonathan were leaders together. They, they, they followed Saul in, in their leadership and they, they shared a common wisdom. This friendship of David and Jonathan was, was harmonious. It was a harmonious friendship. And I want us to think about that today. I want us to have harmonious friendships and believe about that, what the Bible says when we leave here today. David's friendship with Jonathan was harmonious. It was harmonious in its unity. 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 1, as we've said, Now when he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit. The soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul. Of David, it was a close bond. The souls of Jonathan and David were knit together, bound together, tied together. They had the same purpose. Jonathan and David did. 
Jonathan, uh, Jonathan chose David as his friend. And he, he didn't let age get in the way. Jonathan was around 30 years old when David was born. So, so Jonathan was much older than David when he chose him to be his friend. You know, some of my best friends are older than me and younger than me. And I, I find that pleasant. I find that I'm, I'm more rounded, well-rounded as an individual because I have older friends and younger friends. Status didn't get in the way either. Jonathan was a prince. David was a shepherd. But Jonathan saw something of himself in David. And when his father, Saul, raises David's status up to Jonathan's own status, look at 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 2. Saul took him, David, that day and would not let him go home to his father's house anymore. Then Jonathan and David made a covenant because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan took off the robe that was on him and gave it to David with his armor, even to his sword and his bow and his belt. Jonathan brought David's David's status up to his own. Our Christian brothers and our Christian sisters, they don't look down upon us. True brothers, true Christians, don't look down upon us. They bring us up to their status. We're Christians. We're Christian brothers, Christian sisters. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There's neither male nor female. For we are all one in Christ Jesus. If we've been baptized into Christ, it says in Galatians chapter 3, verses 27 through 29. Jonathan chose David because of David's heart. Jonathan and David had a harmonious, a harmonious unity and a harmonious love. David was so sad at the beginning of 2 Samuel because the deaths of Saul and Jonathan were reported to him, even though David was treated terribly by Saul. Of Saul and Jonathan, David writes the first line of a mournful song. Notice 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 19. The beauty of Israel is slain on your high places. How the mighty have fallen, David writes of Saul and Jonathan. Notice 2 Samuel chapter 1, verse 23. Saul and Jonathan were beloved and pleasant in their lives. And in their death they were not divided. They were swifter than eagles. They were stronger than lions. You see how David loved Jonathan. He loved Saul even in their death. As we've read, David sings of Jonathan, I'm distressed for you, my brother Jonathan. You have been very pleasant to me. Your love to me was wonderful, surpassing the love of women. Their love was special and surpassed the love of a woman because as the pulpit commentary puts it, Jonathan with everything to lose and David with everything to gain remained true and loyal friends. Harmonious unity. Harmonious love. And they had a harmonious devotion to one another. They made three covenants with each other. We read of the first one, 1 Samuel chapter 18, verse 3. The second is in 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 17, and then it picks up again in verse 42. Let me read verse 17. Now Jonathan again caused David to vow because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. They had a wonderful devotion to each other. And when, they, when, and when Jonathan and, and David had to depart because of Saul's anger, notice verse 42. Then Jonathan said to David, Go in peace, since we have both sworn in the name of the Lord, saying, May the Lord be between you and me and between your descendants and my 
descendants forever. So he arose and departed, and Jonathan went into the city. They, they had this devotion to each other because of their devotion to the Lord. Jonathan loved God. David loved God. They loved each other, and that made their bond even stronger. Later, as David continues to run from Saul, John, Jonathan catches up to him, catches up to his best friend, and, and they renew their covenant for a third time. 1 Samuel chapter 23, verse 15. So David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a forest. Then Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the woods and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, Do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel, and I shall be next to you. Even my father Saul knows that. So the two of them made a covenant before the Lord, and David stayed in the woods, and Jonathan went to his own house. Friends do what's best for each other. Even if they have to take a back seat, or even if they have to drive, friends will do what's best for each other, won't they? David remained Jonathan's friend after Jonathan's death. We know this because David honors their covenant and very kindly uh, takes care of Jonathan's son. 2 Samuel chapter 2, verse 7. I did not have to look hard. I wanted to find a New Testament example for this David and Jonathan bromance. And I didn't have to look very hard at all. Uh, I only had to go to the Gospel of John, which shows how harmonious was Jesus' friendship with John. Of course, Jesus and most of the apostles had a harmonious unity. John chapter 15, verses 13 through 15, Jesus tells the apostles, Greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. And John, over and over in his gospel, writes of the special bond between He and the Savior. Look at John chapter 13, verse 23. I believe this is in your handout. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of His disciples whom Jesus loved. And that's how John refers to himself. He's the disciple whom Jesus loved. Every time he writes about himself in, in his gospel, he writes about he being the one that Jesus loved. John here speaks of himself and at the foot of the cross. John chapter 19, verse 26. When Jesus therefore saw his mother and the disciples who, and the disciple whom he loved standing by, that would be John, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. And then he said to the disciple, that would be John, Behold your mother. And from that hour, that disciple, John, took care of her in his own home. Their relationship allowed for that confidence with each other, that, that unity, that, that confidence that brings itself with the, a close unity between brothers. And after the crucifixion, when Jesus had risen from the dead, John chapter 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And she ran and came to Simon Peter 
and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, that would be John, and said to him, said to them, They have taken away the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple, that would be John, and they were going to the tomb, so they ran together. And the other disciple, that would be John, he's not naming himself, but he's saying he outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooped down, John did, stooping down, looked in, saw the linen cloths lying there, yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came following him and and went into the tomb and saw that the linen clothes were lying there. And the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, that would be John, who came to the tomb first, went in also. And notice what John says about himself. He saw and believed. And later, in one of Jesus' appearances to to his disciples, after his death and resurrection, it's John who recognizes Jesus first. John chapter 21, verse 7, Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It is the Lord. When, when Jesus is, is on the seashore and, and the apostles are fishing. John was part of Peter's rebuke. Peter is being rebuked uh, by the Lord in John chapter 21. And in verse 20, Peter, turning around after he's been rebuked by the Lord, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. He saw John following, who had also leaned on Jesus' breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is, the one, who is the one that betrays you? Peter, said, seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? Peter turns around and he points at John and he says, because he knew how much Jesus loved John, Jesus, what about this man? Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. He, he's a part of that rebuke of Peter. Jesus and John had a harmonious love. And Jesus and John were harmonious in their devotion to the same cause. John made sure that the story of, and the words of Jesus Christ reached out even to us through the ages. Look at John chapter 20, verse 30. And truly Jesus did many other things in the presence of His disciples which were not written in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in His name. Timothy, I'm going to get you to turn this microphone up just a little more. I'm losing my voice and I'm going to use the microphone now. Slow my voice down just a little bit. You see, John wrote to us of how we can have a harmonious friendship with Jesus. Jesus prayed for our harmonious unity with Him. Jesus prayed, I do not pray for these alone, John 17, verse 20, but also for those who will believe in Me through their word that they may be one, that we can be unified. That's what Jesus wants us to be. Jesus wants us to be unified. Jesus wants us to be His friend. That they may be one as You, Father, in Me, and I in You, that they may also be one in us, that the world may believe that You sent Me. And the glory which You gave Me I have given them, that they may be one just as we are one. The homo- this, this harmonious unity, it, it just enfolds itself 
in, in a harmonious love that we can share with Jesus Christ. We can, we can be His friend. This harmonious friendship requires harmonious, harmonious love. I and them, verse 23 of, of John chapter 17, that they may be perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them. See, that's the, that's, that's the, that's the highest thing that we can attain to in our friendships with each other, with our friendships with Jesus, is to love each other. This harmonious friendship, it requires harmonious devotion. When we are, we're, we're, our minds should be the same way that Jesus' mind was. We should be so devoted, just like Jesus was, if we want to be His friend. If we want to be a true friend of Jesus. Notice John chapter 15, verse 14. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. Those are the friends of Jesus. John chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. That's why it's so important to know what the Bible says about friendship, about love, about salvation. That's why it's not just any way you can be saved. Not always go are the path to God. There's only one way. It's Jesus' way. The examples of David and Jonathan, Jesus and John, Jesus and ourselves are perfect examples of how harmonious our friendships should be. We should be friends with each other. Our friendship with each other should be harmonious in unity and in love and devotion as well. Together we should live harmoniously in unity. Jesus prayed for us to be unified as as we've read in John chapter 17 verse 23. We are to be, as Paul writes, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Our friendships should be harmonious and in perfect love. Colossians chapter 3 verse 14, But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Loving each other is commanded, and it lights our way in this dark, dark world that we live in. 1 John chapter 2 verse 10, He who loves his brother abides in the light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. To love God and to love our neighbor, it's better than sacrifices. Mark chapter 12, verse 33. We should strive to have this harmonious devotion to one another. Romans chapter 12, verse 10. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Give preference to one another in honor. We should not love the world. 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, Do not love the world, nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. And as we sang, farther along we'll know all about it. Farther along we'll understand why. But everybody around us just seems to be getting what they want. And it's hard to understand sometimes. But we need to be harmonious friends and harmonious in our devotion 
to each other and to God. We shouldn't be devoted to the world. Luke chapter 16, verse 13. No servant can serve two masters, for he will either hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. We cannot be friends with the world. We cannot be friends with Satan. Have you ever metaphorically received a letter from Satan that goes something like this? Have you ever received this letter from Satan? Dear friend, I visited your Bible class and was overjoyed to see that many of your class members were absent. I was thrilled to see that those who came were late were tired and sleepy during the lesson and also the sermon. I rejoiced in hearing some of the lessons that were not well prepared and that many of you just did not care. Of course, it is devilish to see some of you leave after class and not get your souls fed in the worship service. Sunday is always one of my favorite days because this is the day I do some of my best work getting Christians to stay home and watch television or getting involved in sports and all sorts of recreation. I hope you will miss services again this Sunday. Stay home where it's warm, and it will help you get used to your future climate. Oh, and one more thing. For sure, do not let them get you to be a born-again Christian. Will you be a friend of Jesus? Will you be born again? It's, it's, it, it doesn't take a bromance. <laughs> but it does take obedience. Unite with Jesus by getting into Jesus. As I've mentioned, Galatians chapter 3, verse 27. How do you get into Jesus Christ? Where the only way to get into the blood of Jesus Christ is to be baptized into Jesus Christ. Love Jesus by obeying Him. Mark 16, verse 16, He who believes is saved and then later baptized. That's not what it says. It says in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. If you love Jesus and you want to be His friend, you've got to obey. Devote your life to the way. Find a unity and a love that you've never had before. Come right now. As together we stand and sing.